Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's episode. I've got a fantastic guest for you, Kara Barnes. She's the founder of Backstage Ops. She's got a very fascinating story and a fascinating background. She's here to talk about learning skill sets in your original career or profession and cross-translating them into di- adjacent areas. We're going to talk about business, leadership, executives. This episode is for all the entrepreneurs, business leaders, and as well as those who have a job as well. So Kara, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So kind of set the stage for your background, your experience, and we'll delve right into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So today I own an agency that focuses on operations and we uh, specifically work with thought leaders and folks who have um, an interest in public speaking and they want to fuel a back end of services from the, the stage, right? The way I got here really is through a path of um, figuring out how to work well with people and in particular, figuring out how to work well with a a fellow partner in a business. So I early on had a marketing agency with a friend of mine. That was my first um, entrepreneurial endeavor. And we had a a digital marketing agency that was pretty successful and, um, and our partnership fell apart. And so I learned a lot really quickly about um, better ways to design those partnerships and, and ways to run a business more effectively in the future. Um, And since then I've really helped small business owners and especially folks looking to build a personal brand around their thought leadership, um, how to help them figure out how to manage the folks that are supporting them more effectively, right? A lot of times, um, especially the folks who are listening here today are um, people who didn't go to school for business necessarily, right? They didn't go to school for entrepreneurship. They went to school for, um, you know, medical, you know, anything in the medical field. It sounds like it's a wide variety of folks here today. So, um, so how do you make sure that if you do end up managing folks, which inevitably is you know likely a part of what you're doing, um, that that's effective, that you're getting the most out of that talent, that you're showing up and, and supporting them, pouring into them the ways that you need to. Um, in particular, folks who have a private practice where you might be managing a small team. Um, I'll often say that you know great business leaders might be good leaders, but they might be weak managers. So what my team will do is come in and help you be strategic in your business and sort of give you that thought, uh, a thought partner in your business. So it's not so lonely being the person at the top. Um, And then we'll also come in and help manage your team so that you don't have 10 different folks reporting to you while you're trying to 
deliver great services and build big relationships and close big sales. So, um, so that's a little bit about kind of, you know, where I've been, why I'm passionate about what I do and, and how I support folks today. Yeah, really interesting. Um, and I love this introduction and, you know, this kind of sets the stage, you know, I just came back speaking from a conference of physicians and they're kind of looking to transition and, you know, a lot of them, they just basically train to work in a hospital, see patients and kind of go home. Um, and these days you can't really do that. And yeah. so they kind of struggle with what you're describing, which is kind of, you know, when things are shifting, how do you shift your skills as well? Um, right. Well, I'll delve right in. So one thing is talking about is uh, what it means to have an effect- effective operations leader. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a few things when it comes to operations that I that I like to touch on to help make it a little bit more concrete. I think operations can feel really abstract to folks, especially in the entrepreneurial space where you're kind of making up the rules as you go, right? Um, <clears throat> so uh, one of the things that I'll offer for folks who are in um, a more entrepreneurial version of an endeavor. If you aren't familiar with EOS and traction, I recommend you read traction and um, and and get a sense of what's out there to support small businesses um, because you don't have to start from scratch with these things. And the reason I bring that up is because in traction and in the world of EOS is what it's called. It stands for entrepreneurial operating system. Um, they have a, a tool in there that they call the visionary integrator relationship. And essentially what that is is a structure and language and tools on how to have an effective second command in your business. Um, so they go deep into the best way to design that relationship so that the visionary can stay fully in their seat, in their role as visionary. Like I said, you know, focusing on thought leadership, being cutting edge in the market, going after those big sales, building big relationships, going to conferences. Um, their job is to come back to the business with 30 ideas a day, right? Um, the integrator's job is really to focus on execution and to make sure that of the 30 ideas that are coming in each day, we're taking the one that is most sensible and strategic with everything we're trying to accomplish. And then I take that back to the team and I say, okay, folks, here's what we're going to do to to keep things moving moving forward. So this visionary integrator relationship, I think, is one of one of the great starting places for for folks to go if they're interested in, in operationalizing and thinking more about the second command and having someone who comes in and and manages the operations um, more effectively. Um, so that's one thing is is really figuring out do you want a second command in your business? What would you want that to look like? Um, and it, you know what would the timeline be when you would be ready to to pass some of those things off to have someone support you in that way. Um, one of the other things that I will, I will often bring up when it comes to operations is, um, accountability. So a major piece of what I do is documentation. And, you know, when I, when people think operations, I often think standard operating procedures, policies, that sort of thing. Um, part of the value of having those things in place, in addition to adding value to your business, making it, you know, more profitable and, um, not more profitable, but well, that too, but more um, prepared for an exit strategy. For example, if you do want to eventually sell your business, that sort of thing. Um, So it affects the valuation, but also it forces clarity when you have to write things down and you have to put someone's picture next to it and say, this is your job and it needs to be done by this date. Getting those things nailed down with that much specificity is a really powerful way to improve the accountability in your business. So if you're feeling like you know, you're just not getting quite enough from the people that you have on your team. And you feel like, you know, I've got a lot of expense, you know, personnel expense money going out. Um, but I just don't feel like I'm getting the results that I need for my team. It might be a matter of accountability. 
Um, and so there's, you know, if you're feeling that way and you're listening to this and going, oh my gosh, that's me. I need to get more out of my people. Um, operations might be a place you need to invest so that you can, you know, get on top of some of the turnover that might be happening or some of the frustrations you might have with your team. So I'd love to have a conversation about that. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll add with operations real quick and, um, you got to stop me eventually, Chris, because I could talk for a really long time about this, some of this stuff. I love it. Um, but the other thing I'll just add real quick is that getting your communication protocols in place for operations, I think, can be one of the critical things because I think, you know, so for example, I'm working with a client right now where their culture and their norm is that when something is needed, they pick up the phone and call each other. And in the middle of an afternoon that maybe the visionary had set aside to, to work on you know, getting recertified in something, or they, you know, wanted to follow up with a bunch of sales leads. Instead of doing those things and getting into a flow, they're now having a random conversation about a mix of things, some urgent, some not, some random with their colleague, right? We, I think a lot of us can relate to that. So one of the things that I'll do is I'll come in and we'll say, okay, what, what kind of communication is happening? How do we make sure the urgent things aren't mixed in with the non-urgent things that we can talk about later? Um, how do we make sure that um, if I'm texting someone that, like the same thing. So am I texting them because something's on fire and a client's about to leave us? Or am I texting them a picture of my dog to say, look how cute my dog is, right? Those things should not be coming through with the same ping to my boss, right? So getting really clear with your team on what expectations for communication should look like is a big piece of, of effective operations. So I'll pause there. Yeah, I can really tell, you know, operations are really cool. You're really passionate about it. Um, which, you know, kind of like it brings us to this kind of this because uh, you guide individuals in realizing their vision through you talked about EOS integration and also fractional leadership. And I'm hearing this term fractional quite a bit uh, kind of talk about what is this concept of fractional you know, leadership or fractional CFO, CMO, all of these things. What yeah, is that? Absolutely. Thanks for asking that. I um I love chatting with folks about this stuff, as you can tell, I just, I think it is, I've seen the way that, that these kinds of concepts can really transform a business and free a business owner up to enjoy their business more. So thank you for giving me a chance to just sort of nerd out about these things that I love. <laughs> um, so I will say, um, you know, with the fractional leadership piece of it, um, and I guess you said, you know, two two different things there. Uh, we'll, we'll focus on the fractional piece because I think that is a really common question. People are kind of seeing that pop up. It's very trendy right now. Um, so fractional, I will, you know, there's a lot of different ways people will define it. I say that it's a fancy word for part-time. And the reason that it exists that way is because fractional usually implies a higher leadership skill. Um, so whereas, you know, a typical contractor who's going to be part-time might be someone who's more in execution, graphic designer, bookkeeper, someone who's really hands-on and getting work done for you. Um, if someone is fractional, um, it implies that they have more of a leadership skill set where they're coming in on more of a managerial and strategic level, and they're not going to be as involved in execution typically. Um, so when people ask me, you know, how can someone be effective when they're only in my business 10 to 15 hours a week? Um, that's how is that um, by the time you're ready to have a fractional, ideally you have a team who is executing and that fractional person is there to help you get more out of your team and help you be more strategically aligned with your, with your goals and vision. So that's the other thing you said is that I do talk with people about getting clear on their vision. And the reason I start there is because until you are crystal clear on your vision, where you're going with the metrics are, what you want it to look like, how it's going to play out in three, five, 10 years, 
your team can't support you effectively. As long as you, you know, as long as they're guessing at what the end goal is and where they fit in that picture, you're going to end up with people working in silos and they're all going to be kind of doing what they think is helpful. And they're, you know, kind of doing their best guess. Um, the power of saying to your team, here's my vision for the future and starting off your operations with crystal clarity about that. It's very powerful. I've seen it, like I said, really change businesses and the way that people show up in a business. Um, so yeah, I do work with folks to to develop that vision, get a lot of clarity, um, and then when you know when the timing is right, when the resources are there, um, when the business is really ready for a fractional leader to come in and support, I will help people find that right second command. Um, and so you know the bus- business readiness piece, I think, is part of part of the question mark for people here. Like, when am I going to be ready to have a fractional leader come in, you know? Um, so like I said, because they're at that higher level, it is going to be more expensive than a, a typical contractor role. Um, and you can see there's, there's lots of ways to go about it. There's all kinds of fractional leadership agencies and then firms and such. But I think one of the things I'll say about an operations fractional leader specifically um, is that there are things that you need to do in your business to show them that you are ready to embrace operations right? As a fractional leader myself, I don't want to come in and be fighting you on the importance of process and systematizing and operationizing, right? Um, So I do think that um, doing a little bit of work for you to understand what do you want the operations to look like in your business and having some conversation with folks who are in operations to get a better sense of what that is going to look like in your business. um, I think that's a conversation that's going to set you up to be ready to have someone come in and really help run the show from that operations lens. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, I love this fireside chat format. And, um, you know, as a leader, you have to keep your team focused on, you know, kind of the process and kind of you use three phrases that you help clients with to help their team become process minded. What are those? Yeah. So I think three phrases. So something that you can bring to your team to help them start to think this way. I love this question. So I think one of the big ones for me, something that comes up immediately, is that when you are solving a problem, um, encouraging your team to think in terms of how do we never come back here again, right? That we're never, you know, you hear people say the phrase putting out fires, that they feel like their business is, is day after day of putting out fires. When you're putting out the fire, taking time to say, how did we get here? What went wrong in the situation? And what do we need to rectify to make sure that we never have to solve the same problem again? And asking your team, and, and it's not a matter of you doing that as a business leader, it's putting that back on your team to say, I would love for you to have ownership here. Um, and that's not you know pointing fingers or blaming, but I want you to feel empowered to come to me and say, this isn't working. Here's what I think is going to work better. Here's what I want to do to make sure that in the future, I can handle this without you. Like Ideally, you have a team that's feeling motivated to do that. Um, and if you don't, that's another conversation. We should talk about that. But I think ideally, um, you as the leader setting people up and saying, I want you to be able to take this and run autonomously. Um, but in order to do that, I need to trust that as problems come up, not only are you taking the action to solve that problem, you are making sure that our system is developed so we don't end up back here with the same problem again. That's the kind of initiative you want to see from your team, right? And so encouraging them to think that way, I think is great. Um, the other thing that comes to mind. Um, so a second sort of phrase or, or, you know, a little nugget that you can start to try to bring up with your team um, is clarity. And I will say, this is something that if you are a business owner, visionary, you know, you're the one coming back with 30 ideas a day, this is probably not your strong suit. It's, it's something that you're going to have to work at. Um, I will tell you one of the things that is really valuable about EOS and some of the tools that they offer is um, a tool called a level 10 meeting. 
And essentially, I mean, it's nothing profound. It's essentially an agenda for meetings to make sure that as a meeting is happening, you're not bouncing from topic to topic to topic, right? So as you are discussing something, when you realize, you know, we've kind of, we've gone from talking about this. Now we're talking about this over here, being intentional to pause and say, this is a separate issue. Let's hit hit pause for a second. Let's make sure that we have fully resolved this issue here before we go on to this issue here. It's incredibly powerful. And I, I, I think like, again, like, you know, when you're in this putting out fire mode, it's so easy to just feel like you're running from thing to thing. And, and that's just what you have to do to keep up. I'll tell you, if you can get in the habit of slowing down for the sake of clarity as you go and your team can see you doing that, they are going to show up to be more accountable because there's more crystal clarity on what's expected. They're also going to enjoy their work more because what's expected is, is they feel set up for success, right? When they know what the metric is for success. Um, and in general, you're going to accomplish more because you're not going to be running after every shiny object that comes up in the business, right? You're going to be able to focus on your goals and say, okay, before we spend an hour talking about this, is this really helping us move towards our ultimate goal for this quarter and, and what we want to achieve? So so that clarity piece, I think, is really critical um, and hard. It's hard to hard to develop that skill. So uh, so just starting to notice yourself as you're leading meetings, especially. Let's see. I think those are two big ones. I'll pause there for a second. Yeah, and kind of um, as we kind of kind of draw to a close, um, you talk about the value of having an integrator, and then you also talk about when tension arises between the vision and the integrator relationship. Uh, what do you do? I know you mentioned in your previous experience you had you know kind of tension and kind of learn from that. What is what is kind of elaborate that for the audience? Yeah, thank you for that question because um, it's really hard. I had somebody, I had somebody send me a video the other day crying because they lost their integrator and they thought I have invested so much time and energy into this person in my business and and now I'm losing all this talent on my team and in addition to that I'm losing a friend. Like you know, we, there's a personal relationship there. So I think when you're thinking about bringing someone in on this level and you're trying or you're you know trying to maybe promote someone to really step into that role in your business, there's a lot involved and it can be really emotionally taxing and hard to develop the trust that's needed to do this effectively. So, um, so I appreciate this question a lot. I think a couple things that are, um, like specific to EOS. So for people who might be interested in the EOS traction style of running your business, um, they will talk about what's called the same page meeting. Um, the same page meeting happens once a month. Typically it's a few hours long and it's really designed for just the visionary and integrator. No one else joins that meeting. It's designed for the two of them to hash out any, any butting heads, any philosophical differences, any sort of big picture differences on the vision, where we're going, what were the strategic decisions that we're making, how we're managing the team, the culture that we're setting. Um, some of those things that can sneak up on you, right? Like things that can that can feel sticky, but in the day-to-day, you might not realize that that's creating tension over time because you haven't had a chance to sit down and say, hey, the way you, you know, the tone of your email that you sent, like, I, I think that the team sees it this way, or, I, you know, I, I want, want to have a conversation about how we show up in conflict with our team. And, um, and to be honest, I think even, you know, as business owners, having someone who holds us accountable and is an honest reflection to say, hey, I see this is what's happening in the business. And I I think it's worth having a discussion about. Um, I think it's really hard to accept someone into that role in your business when you're used to calling all the shots. And I think if you can accept that and and take what's really valuable from those conversations, I think your business will will be more likely to thrive. 
in that relationship, right? Like if you have the rapport with someone who can be really honest with you in your business that way, I think you're going to enjoy your business more having a partner in it. So the same page meeting, I think EOS is big on, you know, if you're having issues, making sure to set the time aside to have those really honest conversations. That's a big one. Um, I also think that the other big thing that I'll see is that business owners and visionaries who are getting accustomed to what this looks and feels like to delegate effectively, to invest in, you know, a role in their business that is that that's high level when maybe they're not used to having someone on, on a strategic level with them, um, is that they end up asking a lot of that person. They end up asking that person to do a little bit of implementation and execution and, oh, can you just hop in real quick and get it done yourself? And then they're also, you know, wanting them to think strategically and they're also wanting them to manage a team member and they're also wanting help thinking about the vision of the company. So if you're not thoughtful about narrowing the scope for that person to be really clear on what you want to get from them, you're going to end up burning them out, especially if they're, you know, a solid person who's a perfectionist and wants to really wants to show up and do it right. You're likely to burn them out or, um, if they're not advocating for themselves, they might get frustrated and, and disappear on you, which is, you know, what I've seen happen recently to a couple of people, you know? And um, so creating space to have those conversations, like what do you really want to be doing in your, in this business? How do we make sure you're in your zone of genius? Um, I think people want to be invested in, right? People, especially somebody who's coming in and wants to care about your business the way that you do, that person is invested. So they need to see that you are invested and appreciating them as well. Um, so those are a couple, couple big things that I, I see, create tension and issues in these partnerships. Um, and I'll say one more thing that I think starting out the relationship, you know, the finding the right person is huge. It's hugely critical. And so I think if you're someone who um, wants to take this seriously and really wants to find someone who's the right fit to be a second command in your business, um, then I recommend going through a thoughtful recruitment process, which is something I don't offer that service, but I I can, you know, sort of support you with it. I can introduce you to folks who can help you with some of that. But I think um, getting it right from the beginning and sort of setting the precedent for that relationship is critical. And then once you, you know, as part of the onboarding, making sure to take time to design the relationship and say, you know what, there's going to be times where we we don't agree. There's going to be times where you're going to want to say things to me that you're, you know, going to feel like, oh, it's a business owner. I don't know if they're going to want to hear that. And inviting them in and saying, I, I want that. I want that level of support from you. And I want to learn how to be in those honest conversations and conflict with you. So um, these things take time and it, it takes time and it takes intention and patience. So um, so that's where sometimes I can come in to sort of be a, a third party support so that if your second command is driving you crazy and you don't know why is this not going well or why are we always, you know, why is there always tension, you can come to me and I can maybe help reflect back what might not be working. Um, same with the the person who's not, um, maybe isn't showing up effectively. I can work with them and help give them a sense of, of what might help them, you know, have a better pulse and be more effective in your business. So, um, so having a neutral party come in and, and share to, to improve some of the dynamics, I've seen that be really helpful too. Um, so, stuff there. But yeah, I think um, it's it's an exciting journey. I think it's it's fun to see people um, figure that out and, and then get to an end point where they're able to step away from their business a lot more because they have someone they trust keeping the day-to-day going. It's, it's an exciting transition to see. Yeah. And it's really fantastic um, insights because, you know, you can feel your passion and kind of you want to help artists and creative artists and entrepreneurs optimize their daily operations and um, enabling them to manifest their authentic vision without getting bogged down in administrative tasks, which is what you're doing. So how can people contact you, follow you? I know you're omnipresent on all the all social media. So 
how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So I uh, can be found at backstageopsops.com. Um, and on my website, I have a scheduler on there. I like to just hop on calls with folks to hear what's going on. Because um, as you can tell, there's a lot involved in this work, both in operationalizing your business and in finding your second command. So um, so I like to hear where folks are at. And then, um, you know, I, I and tied into the fractional community. So I suppose I want to offer to just be a resource for folks who are, are intrigued by this at all. So just hop on a call, let's have a conversation and maybe I can, I can help, you know, get you started regardless of where you're at in that journey. Um, so yeah, I've got a scheduler on the website there. And then I'm, like you said, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, I am active on LinkedIn. So be sure to find me there, Kara Barnes, and I'd love to be connected. Yeah, and uh, thanks for wonderful conversation. And um, all of Kara's links will be in the show notes. And um, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week